Welcome to the Sky Pilot Podcast that explores questions of faith, spirituality, and religion. I'm Dan Matthews, and I don't have all the answers, but I do enjoy the questions. Welcome to the podcast where every question is an invitation into a spiritual quest, and you're invited along for the journey. What is Monday Thursday? It is the Thursday in Holy Week, which in the Christian calendar is the most important week of the year and which leads up to Easter, the most important day in the Christian calendar. Now, if you're not of the Christian faith and you're living in the United States or some other affluent Western culture, you would be forgiven for thinking that Christmas is the most important day of the entire year. It certainly is the day in which people in our culture devote the most energy. It's the most celebrated and anticipated day of the year for Christians in our culture. And though... Christmas is highly anticipated and celebrated. It is not by a long shot theologically the most important. That's Easter. So let's begin with the easiest and yet most often mistaken part of Maundy Thursday, the name. The vast majority of people say Monday. The word doesn't end in a D-A-Y. It ends with a D-Y. So it's Maundy, not Monday. It's M-A-U-N-D-Y. And it has the same Latin origin as the word mandate. This word is a part of the name because the day Jesus gathered the disciples together, that we call Maundy Thursday, is the day he also gave them a command or a mandate. And we'll have more about that a little later. As I believe I've mentioned in this podcast before, I was a psychology major in college, and my particular department was focused on behavioral psychology. Now, if you don't know behavioral psychology, just think B.F. Skinner teaching rats to press a bar for food, and that's the type of psychology that we studied at my school. I remember one day sitting in class, and the professor announced to us that there was no such thing as altruism. Now, Interestingly, that was a very difficult thing for me to listen to. How could there be no such thing as altruism? Webster describes altruism as unselfish concern for the welfare of others. But according to my professor, that didn't exist. Now, we may not immediately see the reason behind the behavior, but every behavior, according to him, is ultimately self-serving. It took me years of wrestling with this idea to see the problem behind his statement. His own theory of human behavior was ultimately self-serving. He is a psychologist, but he's also an economist of sort. The economy he studies uses behavior as its currency. Behavior is exchanged for some self-serving goal. His form of psychology needs to believe that every behavior is self-serving in nature. For him to study the economy of human behavior, he must believe that there's a cause and effect for every behavior. Altruism, true, unselfish concern for the welfare of another, would really make a mess of behavioral psychology. And matter of fact, it would make a mess of much of what our society deems to be important. Capitalism is based on the notion that everyone is striving to get ahead and win for himself or herself. And that struggle for self-interest will ultimately make for a stronger, competitive economy for us all. Maundy Thursday is the night of Jesus' Last Supper with the disciples, and then ultimately Jesus' betrayal by Judas and his subsequent arrest. From this moment on, things are going to go downhill for Jesus 
very quickly. The end is rapidly approaching, and he knows it. And Jesus needs this one last meal with his disciples. He arranges for a place to eat the Passover meal together, the upper room of someone's home. Jesus and his hand-picked followers, the disciples, gather around the table together for what Jesus knows will be his last meal with them. He looks around the table at the people that he loves so dearly. Each one, in today's language, is a hot mess, and yet each one is so special in his eyes. Now, before we tell more of the story, let's pause for a minute to reflect on why this story is so important. Jesus knows that things are rapidly coming to an end, and in a couple of hours, he will be arrested and not see his disciples again until after he's risen from the dead. Now, if you knew you were going to die tomorrow, then the words you would say today to those you love the most would take on particular importance. It is why Maundy Thursday is so important, and we should listen to and watch carefully what Jesus says and does. After tonight, everything will be different. This is his last shot at teaching them. So part of what he has to do is figure out how can he help them to understand. Now back to the story. Jesus gets up, grabs a towel and a basin, and he begins to wash the disciples' feet. And just on its surface, this seems like a beautiful and poetic moment, but it was anything but that for the disciples. It was shocking and jarring to them. At the time of Jesus, the streets were filthy. They weren't paved. There were no street cleaners. They were dirty and filled with the garbage and refuse of a busy city teeming with animal and human life. Many of the people at the time of Jesus wore no shoes at all. And if they did have shoes, they actually weren't shoes. They were just sandals. So foot washing was a part of entering the house. If you were the host, you offered water in a basin for people to wash their own feet. Or if you had servants... You had the lowest servant of all in the household do the foot washing. Because it was such a degrading job for anyone to do, no one would ever expect it to be done by a friend or much less a teacher. In many ways, it was very much the equivalent of cleaning the toilet in your house. It's a job you would do in your own home. It's something you would even pay a hired help to do. But it's nothing you would ever expect from a friend, much less an honored guest. This is just as shocking as if Jesus came to your home today and walked in the door and said, before we get started, I'm going to begin by cleaning your bathroom. You'd say, no, 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 no. No wonder the disciples were confused by this foot washing stuff. But that is what Jesus does. He begins to wash their feet, and they are rightly shocked. How can Jesus expect to do this for us? Peter, who's Jesus' right-hand disciple, was a bit of a mess himself. He was impetuous and too quick to speak, and often being called down by Jesus. And in this case, he's called down again because he says to Jesus, in essence, this is backwards. You washing my feet? I will not allow this. But in any standard you might want to think of, Peter wasn't wrong. Peter was in the right this time. He should be washing Jesus' feet, not the other way around. But Jesus presses forward with this disturbing ritual. 
He needs them to understand it is vitally important that they get this. After Jesus washes their feet, he explains what he's done for them. He says, if you are to be part of me, then this is what it's going to look like. You will be a people of service. You will serve with no hope of anything in return. You will serve because that's who your God calls you to be. You will not be interested in personal gain or lording influence over others. You will be a servant of everyone you meet. The problem with the whole passion story, from Monday Thursday through Good Friday and culminating with Easter, is that it doesn't make any sense. My professor would say that there's no such thing as one who would lay down his life for another with no clear hope of gain. He would say that there's no such thing as one who serves with no hope of return. And he, in one sense, is right. We have carefully constructed rules for our world, and we believe that people produce in order to receive. We believe that people are solely motivated by what is in it for themselves. And if we're right, if those are the only rules of our personal economy, then the death of Jesus and his resurrection on Easter make no sense. But Jesus tells us that there is a different economy that we've forgotten about. There's an economy of love created by God, and it's nothing like the way the world runs. God has ordained through his Son that this new economy is the economy of life, and the only other economy only leads to emptiness and death. You and I are given Jesus' foot washing as a model of who we are to be. There is no job too demeaning or beneath us. We are called to serve each and everyone we meet. We are not to do it because we feel like it or because we expect to get some sort of a claim out of it, but we do it simply because it's who we are called to be by God, period. Jesus has modeled real, true, selfless altruism. We know it exists because Jesus modeled it, and countless generations have been striving to follow that model ever since, sometimes failing, sometimes succeeding, but always keeping the model of Jesus before us. Now, I can't talk about all of this that transpired on Monday, Thursday, without talking about what's going on in our own world around us right at this time. We're in the midst of the coronavirus crisis. And on one level, there are stories in the papers and on the news every day that are intended to terrify us, and they are truly fearful. And yet, in the midst of talking about Monday, Thursday, and the new mandate Jesus gave all his followers, in the midst of talking about the selfless love God intends us to have for one another, we also get to read stories every day of wonderful acts of altruism. People who put their lives at risk for the well-being of others. Many of these tireless workers have no real hope of any equal return on their effort. They give and they love through their service 
because that is the way they understand the world should work. Mark Twain was asked one time if he believed in baptism. He responded, believe in it? I've seen it. Borrowing from the words of Mark Twain, when asked if we believe in altruism, believe in it. We have seen it. That's all for today. On your spiritual journey, may you ask questions, seek answers, and boldly go wherever the quest takes you. If you'd like to offer a question for me to answer, you can get in touch with me through email or Twitter. Just remember, both are SkyPilot with three T's, S-K-Y-P-I-L-O-T-T-T. That's skypilot at gmail.com, and Twitter is at skypilot. Thanks for listening to SkyPilot FaithQuest. I invite you to send me a question or leave a review. And remember, the sign of a strong faith, solid religion, or healthy spiritual journey is not certainty, but that you keep asking questions. <laughs>